0: Time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio.
4: Thank you, Barry Woods. Yes, indeed. The Weekend Report is on your radio. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us for another edition. My name is Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Frank Ladd and my partner Chris Arbs back from his travels abroad throughout Uh, This great country, Uh, now back at the St. Louis metro area, back at the Arps compound under 50 feet of concrete and steel and in in an undescript building somewhere that you'll never find. Chris, how are you? I'm good. Hey, I want you and Frank
5: to be proud of me. You know what Becky and I did? What'd you do? We drove 21 straight hours from Maine to St. Louis nonstop.
4: Dang, nice. That's
5: studly there, isn't it? That is studly. Just you? (laughs) Or no, just split it with her. Yeah,
4: a little switcheroo. I, I okay. Hope. I,
5: Becky drove seven hours. I drove fourteen. Woo! Nice. Wh- why? Because we wanted to get home. Yeah, and you didn't want to spend five hour energy hotel. drinks, man. I know they're not a sponsor, but
4: dude, we, wow. al- we always uh, <laughs> 20, yeah. But twenty one hours is a long. It's a long one. We well, always drive straight to Disney, which yeah. is like fourteen hours, and 21. yeah, and uh, part of it is you just want to get there. Part of it is, especially now, you don't want to stop. You know, you don't want to go into a hotel room. You don't want to touch stuff. Um so I get it. I get it. You go do a little we sh- left Maine at four thirty Eastern time in the morning. We got
5: home at one thirty Central Time Sunday morning.
4: Man, that's impressive. Thank that you. is impressive. Well done. Thank so you. Uh, tell us a little I'm bit about that. I'm proud of that, that Yeah. I I would be too. <laughs> tell us a little bit about that trip. I know you were doing um. You were doing some very interesting stuff.
5: You know what, Tony? We're going to get into a bunch of politics later in the show. Let's talk about the beautiful fall foliage that we saw in Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, and Ohio. It was absolutely stunning. I think we we missed the peak for Maine, even though there were some beautiful colors. But when we went through Pennsylvania, man, it was just it was peak in Pennsylvania. Just all kind of colors. You know, we were going through valleys with trees with the fall foliage. You know, we even saw some foliage. It was like some purple, like plant that was like in the <laughs> media. It was just stunning, man. Just seeing God's beauty on display like yeah. that. It really was. Being you a know, north, being a midwestern guy where we don't see that type of foliage, when you see it for the first time, it's just stunning. That's great.
4: You know Stun- i i don't uh, I don't do well in airplanes. I just <laughs> not. They. I'm scared of heights. I. I, I the the up. The going up and the coming down yeah. really screw with my sinuses and and give the me, turbulence
5: and the drops.
4: I get headaches really bad <laughs> from being on an airplane. You know, so a big part of why I why we always drive places when we go on vacation is is because of that. Because none of us, my whole family's kind of like that. None of us really like airplanes, right. but it but there is something to be said for. I mean, I know when you're on going on, to or from vacation, you're always in a hurry and you don't want to get there as fast as you can. But I've seen some c- cool parts of this country because of road trips. Even if you're just driving through, you get a chance to see different parts of the country, and you know, like you said, the 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 foliage, the buildings, you know, some of the famous landmarks, and. You know that's even if you're just driving through, at least you still get to see that stuff with your own eyes, and I and I think that's a big part of why I prefer driving over flying.
5: That too, and I just enjoy the road trips, Tony. I listen to several yes. several podcasts, yes, and I can't listen to them all. You know, because it's just not enough hours in the day to listen to yeah, them all. I totally agree. So when agree. I go on the road trips, I can catch up on all my podcasts. I yes. can have good conversations with my wife. You know, I I, I enjoy them. I really
1: I, do.
4: I I am the same way, Frank. You a road trip guy or an airplane guy? <laughs> I like <look fine>. flying. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I do. You
4: get there quicker. I get you it. You have
1: that opportunity. I mean, you you can still you get there, and then you can just really start enjoying things. Yeah, no, I know. I've done the. The long drives, I've, you know, dealt with that, but it's just like, hey, if there's that opportunity to fly there and it saves you time and you can get to the getting to on your vacation, on your your trip, absolutely.
5: I agree with that, Frank, but then also, too, because St. Louis is not a major hub airport anymore— Traveling and flying is exhausting too. Having to go to two or three airports and waiting with the layovers and lugging your your stuff here. I and won't there. do it. I mean, I will it not. It is quicker, take, but it's very tiring. I will
4: not too. take a flight that I have to change planes. <laughs> I swear, I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm well, so serious. Well, good luck, Tony. You're
5: not going to be flying anywhere out of San Well, St. Louis. I very like, rarely fly, fly but Chicago. I will.
4: I won't do it. I, I, it's, it's pointless to me. I think it, at that point, I would just rather drive because going up and going down twice no way <laughs> why does that and bother where do you do we go we have to we have, it messes we have to with over my, in Atlanta it,
5: if it's not a southwest airlines it messes flight. with my sciences. it gives or me Chicago. really
4: bad headaches i hmm. every time i fly i get terrible headaches and like i'm and then i'm just wrecked like the that first day of vacation <laughs> yeah i just my head is pounding and i'm all messed up yeah, yeah. It screws so with me. Maybe
1: you're the one that flying
4: is just not for. I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm not good at it. My body's not good at flying.
5: That's why you're a supporter of the uh, the tube thing, right? The
4: Hyperloop?
5: The Hyperloop.
4: Yeah, Hyperloop, yeah. You yeah. know what? It's funny. We got a chance to talk to uh, Lieutenant Governor Kehoe on the Dave Glover show earlier this week, and I asked him about that, and unfortunately, we lost one of the bids uh, the Hyperloop people were bidding out like you know who gets to do the test track or who yeah. gets to phase one, and Missouri lost phase Shocker. one, Shocker. um, to like North Carolina or something. West Virginia. West Virginia. There you go. Thank you. Um, and yeah, so I, that was my first update that I had heard from uh from the Hyperloop. You know, uh, Lieutenant Governor Keo's the in chart was in charge of that task force for the Hyperloop, and so I knew he'd have the answers. But uh, yeah. So maybe we
5: can use that money now to fix the roads.
4: I don't think we ever had the money, Chris. (laughs) It's fictional money.
5: It's just out there. Okay. Right. Got it. That's a good point there, Tony.
4: So we've got a a great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk to our friend Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller a little bit later on in the second hour. We are also going to talk to Dr. Randy Tobler. I love talking to Dr. Tobler because we just get – Great information, great updates on on where we are with this uh, coronavirus situation. Of course, um, the vaccine uh, timeline and all of that. Uh, Doc always provides great info and insight on those topics. So, looking forward to that. And in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to our buddy Burgess Owens and Chris. This yeah. might be this might be the last time we talk to him before election day. So, I'm glad we're talking to him. You me know, too. I
5: watched a little bit of his debate um, this week he had with his opponent. Yeah, watched about a half hour of it, so I, I got a good question for him. Gosh, I am.
4: <laughs> I feel like we've we've been on this uh, journey with Burgess together. We've yeah. we've we've known him for so long now, and you know we've we've had him in town, and we've 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 met him in person, and done live events with him, and he's been on the show so many times, and I feel like. We've just been on this whole, uh, this whole trek along with him, and if 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 it all pays off and he's able to win this election and become a member of uh, the United States Congress, I just I I feel like I'll just it, it'll be like a member of the family. Is uh, Tony, when you wear election. a
5: man's Super Bowl ring, you're like buddies. Right there, you go exactly. <laughs> Right.
4: Yeah, exactly. So we're just about five minutes away from uh, talking to Burgess Owens. So definitely uh, keep it here for that. Um, Let's touch on a couple of the topics of the week here, Chris, while we have a few minutes left in this first segment. Um, I don't know where you want to start. You want to start with confirmation hearings or you want to start with. uh, Yeah. You know what? Let's do that. Let's start with confirmation hearings. Uh, What did you think of of all the shenanigans on Capitol Hill this week?
5: Well, I have to admit that I did not watch it uh, wall to wall, hearing to hearing like I usually do, things like that. I mean, this confirmation hearing is pretty much uh, a, a done deal. What we saw was what I pretty much expected was the Democrats not focusing uh, so much on justice or soon to be Justice baird. But more on the 2020 election and trying to get some of their political talking points. And it looks like health care is uh, what they were trying to use this hearing for to attack uh, the nominee and to attack uh, the president. I mean, look, politics is, is a shameless business. I know that I'm in it. But mm-hmm. the images of putting the kids in the poster board, you know, facing her and with these sob stories one after another was just beyond beyond the pale to me
4: and not the point (laughs) like it didn't they don't those those things don't connect like she's not she's not going into a position where she's going to make laws that somehow make more people sick from coronavirus or throw people out of the country or you know even the abortion stuff you know like She's not the one making the the laws. She's not the one changing the rules. Yeah. And so it doesn't it doesn't even it's not even like a, apples to apples when they're telling those stories.
5: Well, the false message that they're trying to put out is that if she is uh, put on the court, that she'll be a vote to eliminate the Affordable Care Act, which will eliminate pre existing conditions for uh, people that have them. And what the media and the Democrats won't tell you. Is that when Obamacare was being debated back in the day, that one of the suggestions that the Republicans had was pre-existing conditions? There have been laws that the they' no, not laws, but there has been legislation that's that Republicans have passed that includes pre-existing conditions in any health care bill. I mean, it's just a red herring that they're throwing up there to to scare people. But pre-existing conditions will be in any, future health care law. That's just uh, yeah. something that people aren't going to argue about. Agreed. Because, that will be in a bill
4: because period. we all agree. All sides agree that 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 those the preexisting conditions should be covered. We have. I'm sure there are different ways that, that they can be addressed.
5: And, I, and but, I tell you another thing that's going to be permanent, too, <laughs> is allowing children up to 26 to be on their parents insurance. That's not going anywhere, anywhere, anywhere at all,
4: either. Those two things are going to be in any future healthcare law. I guarantee you that. You know, one thing that I've said multiple times um, over the last few months is how far we've come as far as just separating each other, that it's not even – that we – Chris, as you know, in politics, bipartisanship has always been a key word that was something that that we were supposed to strive for. It was always – one side would say – you know it's the other side we we want to work with the other side we're extending a hand across the aisle and we want to work on bipartisan it was it was you know always a it was a good thing that we were all supposed to strive for bipartisanship now is considered a, a terrible thing if you if you even smile at a member of the other party then you're somehow a traitor to your own, and I don't know if you I, saw this. I have a
5: slight disagreement with that. Well, I think I think Democrats believe in bipartisanship, but as long as you're agreeing to 99 percent of what they want, <laughs> then everything is bipartisan. Well, if it's not late in the week. Then you're holding things up.
4: Late in the week, uh, Dianne Feinstein. I I saw this. I saw a headline that was calling her out. And it was about Lindsey Graham, and I thought it was because they had like uh, – because they hugged. And I thought it was going to be a mask thing because neither of them had masks on. But when I read the article, they were mad at Dianne Feinstein for hugging Lindsey Graham because Lindsey Graham is a horrible, evil Republican. And by hugging him, she humanized him. And then she made a statement on the Senate floor about – she said something like – what this uh, country needs is a bre- uh, is a is a breath of bipartisanship, and I look forward to hopefully working with you uh, on a bill soon that we can put out together. And I thank you for your leadership. She said that to Lindsey Graham, yeah. and-, and people on the left exploded. Like you can't say that, you can't compliment him. He's an he's an evil Republican. He's he may lose his seat. You may have just won the election for Lindsey Graham. Like you can't even give and look, I'm just using this as an example because it happened. I'm not saying the Republicans are any better, but it just is unbelievable to me that we can't even we can't even act like we want to work together anymore without being traitors to our quote-unquote side and it's sad. Yeah.
1: What well, wasn't it kind of outrage for outrageous sake?
4: I'm glad, Frank, lot,
5: Frank. I was going to get you in here because I was going to say this is the,
4: a the lot so-called party s- of diversity, right? There is a, a lot of outrage or, for outrage. Or sake these days. Compassion,
5: tolerance. Yeah, it's, where's the compassion? Where's the tolerance?
4: It's it's unbelievable that we're that you can't even compliment a member of the other party without. Without stirring up some kind of anger um, against you, like like I said, and these are the tolerant people. Remember that you're considered a traitor. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past Republicans. I know, but I wouldn't put it past Republicans behave that way either. Yeah, but
5: we don't make that as our moniker. We don't virtue signal every (laughs) five minutes saying we are the party of tolerance and diversity while we do the exact opposite.
4: All right. All right. we got to take a break. We are going to talk to our buddy, Burgess Owens, the Super Bowl champion, best-selling author, and the next congressman from the great state of Utah. We will talk to Burgess when we get back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. welcome back to the weekend report 97.1 fm talk that round of applause chris not for you or oh. i it is for our guest of course the great Burgess Owens, as I mentioned, Super Bowl champion, best-selling author, and the next congressman from the great state of Utah, <laughs> Burgess Owens joins us once again on the Weekend Report. How's it going, my friend? So great to talk I'm with you.
3: Same here. Looking forward to it, Tony, for sure.
4: Yeah, ahead you also forgot to mention he
5: has some of the best book titles ever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's
3: been good timing, but I'll tell you what. What I'm excited about is our country's waking up, and uh, why I stand. We're standing up to to make sure we keep our country. So I'm excited about this next three weeks, and I'm excited about November 3rd. I think we're going to come through just fine.
4: So we we're equally as excited for November 3rd for you especially. Mm-hmm. And Chris and I were talking in the last segment about. You know, we've known you for a, a few years now. We've had the uh, opportunity to have you here in town and do a live event with you, and meet you personally, and have you on this show and other shows that we're a part of so many times. Um, I feel like we've gone on a small part of this of this journey with you. And it's just been so exciting. Before we talk about issues or anything like that, can you just tell us about the last couple of years, your decision to uh, enter politics, enter this race? And now we're here in the home <laughs> stretch, just a few weeks away. Uh, tell us a little bit about that journey and, and how it's uh, affected y- you.
3: Well, well, as you know, as you know, Tony and Chris, uh, we started having our conversations a while back. I've always said I would never, ever be a politician. And so <laughs> I guess the first thing I should say is never, ever say never. All right, so <laughs> it's uh, – but, but, but you know, it, it's interesting. I think we all have a chance as we go through life and see where our journey, how, how, how this process, this journey goes. You see where sometimes it's just – you kind of let to do th- certain things at the right time. And for me, uh, because of my, my – Ultimate goal when I came here was to start up a, a uh, an, an opportunity for, for at-risk kids called Second Chance for Youth. I did that. I was excited about doing it, and uh, still am excited about where that's going. But I realized during that process is that the kids we work with here we need to figure out a way so they don't con- this this group doesn't continue to grow. And if, if as long as the house as long as the, the house is controlled by Democrats, this group of of at-risk kids who don't believe in our country cannot cannot read cannot get jobs to do not understand respect, that group will continue to grow because it's policies that the Democratic Party puts together that puts these kids at risk. And I've seen that happen over the decades, and I see now not only have they been very successful in the black community that I grew up in, but they're now turning those same uh, policies and ideology on our country. So this is, I realized about a year or so ago that if if I can make a difference, if I can be part of a team that gets into the House of Representatives, that actually Re- uh, replicates the leadership we see in our in our president a America first, America loving leadership that all we have to do is replicate, then we can make a, a remarkable difference in this window of, of patriots that come on the board can be one that we'll all remember. So I'm just one of a small part of what I see as a, a great movement across our country. And for those who are listening that a little bit of concern just do your part. Go out and vote. Have your friends vote, and then leave the rest up to we the people. I have so much confidence that we will not drop the ball. We know how important it is for us to win our country back. We now know, as this last year, how devious and how uh, how how deadly the left can be when left to their own own means. Let's not let them win. And I, and I think that we the people wake up and, and understand that and and vote our president in, get our house back. and uh, and keep the Senate, and I feel real good about the next four years.
4: Go ahead, Chris. You know, Burgess,
5: I've been asked a couple of times if I'm ever going to run for office, and I give them two reasons why. One is I've seen the process up close and personal, and I don't know if I want to work that hard to campaign for an office. (laughs) And second, I had an opportunity this week to watch a little bit of your debate uh, with your opponent, and I don't know how I could stand there – uh, next to a person who is deliberately uh, uh, taking my record out of context, and then you have to sit there like it's not bothering you and smiling because you know there are cameras on you. Talk about that a little bit.
3: <laughs> well, you know, I, I think there's something else was taught as a, as a kid, and uh, and, I, and this is actually, I think, part of, of who we are. So the, the idea that Americans, we the people, what we do best is we communicate. We have that old saying of let's agree to disagree. But at the same time, uh, I think it's important as you, as you get to know people, let's uh, just put them at a certain place, you know, what, what expectations are. You know, if you, if you know where to put people on that on the shelf, and you realize, you know, you, you know what to expect, so you're not disappointed. Your know, expectations are correct, then then you can deal with it. And what I recognize with with my opponent is that he, he's he's very good at just being uh, very dishonest uh, in, a, in a very nice, smiling way. And <laughs> he I was very that. nice. So so so, so I uh, I expect that. I know it, and I don't get upset. I I don't get disappointed. At the same time. Is one that I think comes through is for those who truly are trying to find truth. And and uh, and the good thing about about what's happened the last few months, my my name recognition was not as high as his. There was like a twenty five point difference because of the negative that he's put out. My name recognition has gone up. Now it's just a matter of me letting people know that that who I am is not what they say who who I say that they say I am. So I, I'm excited about the process. to Be honest with you. Uh, and, I, and I'll say this, guys, uh, for someone a year or so ago that really very with chippity entered this process, I am all in now. And I know that, that, uh, that, that our country is really looking for, uh, again, patients across this country. And I'm just glad that can be just a small part of that that team that comes on board uh, 20, uh, uh, 25 of us. That's going to win out and we'll make this thing happen.
4: Burgess. um, I learned personally a lot from you in the, in the time that we have known each other and in, have learned a lot of history from you. And I know that one of the uh, the biggest reasons that you're that you're running for office, that you're that you're continuing to make your voice heard is the situation that the Democratic party and you you just touched on it a minute ago, and you you always do, but the Democratic Party has somehow uh, become, the voice of the African American community, the voice of the minority community, and I think you do a better job than almost anyone explaining why that is a sham, why the Democrats yeah. and the left have tricked the African American community um, and, and you know, taken their their votes, and and you know and, and have somehow become the voice. Of, uh, of minorities. Could you could you please for people who haven't heard that talk about why you feel like the left is not the party of diversity? It's not the party yeah. that speaks for your community, the African-American community, and why you think uh, your message in the Republicans are, is a better one.
3: Absolutely. Well well first of all, it, it is so important to know our history and and, 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 and the left understands that. We we are a Judeo Christian valued country. We're a country that believes in God. So everything we go through from the beginning to now is it's a spiritual battle. And we have to understand that the reason why our country is the best and looking at each other from inside out versus outside in is we, we believe in God in different faiths. We all have that that central focus. We just want to do our best to be the best we can be. I have seen and alive in, in, uh, in person what it looks like to have a great community, have all the great tenants, success, belief in our country, uh, uh, respect for women, respect for our flag. I grew up in that environment. So for me, it's not hypothetical of what the left does. Because where we are today, you go to Baltimore, uh, Chicago, uh, Ferguson, every place where you see so much misery is there because of policies. The people that are running those cities are Democrats and mostly black Democrats. So uh, so the idea that, uh, that these guys have, have been in our corner, we have, we have six decades to show that they have not. And what, they, what they've done to my race, my great, proud race, and, 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 and a generation of, of men and women that are still so strong to do the right thing, to command respect, I've seen what they do. They're trying to do it to the rest of our country. So what I'm, what I'm excited about is that we had a president, President Obama. And the greatest president he gave us, I'll say this over and over again, was he's such a lousy president that people woke up and say, Wait a minute, what happened to hope and change? And they begin to ask those, those deep questions and they begin to have these conversations that once we start talking, it starts to make sense, starts to resonate. So we had this last year, and I, I totally believe that Democrats, independents, and Republicans who love our nation will see that we're up against a fight from the hard left who hates our nation. They hate God, they hate in, in, in our education. They hate the family unit. They hate capitalism or free market. They hate everything that makes us a great country. We're now seeing it firsthand, and so because of that, we're going to have more energy coming out of those who, in the past, might not have understood it. We realize their livelihood, their future, their kids are at risk, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure we win the house back, get back, and continue to win the house. When, is, when um, um the executive, of course, President Trump re-elected and, and keep our sense. So that's going to be the result of this year. And we can look back and, and say thank you for the hard left for showing us who they are. And because all we have to do is see the enemy who they are. And then once we do that, we just win, baby. And that's
4: what I'm looking for. <laughs> just win, sure. baby. I love it. I love it. That is Burgess <laughs> Owens, a best-selling author, Super Bowl champion, and just a few weeks away from being a representative of the state of Utah in the United States Congress. Chris Harps, go ahead.
5: Burgess, you've been on the ground now for uh, nine or ten months campa- campaigning. Um, you've got your ear to the ground. You're hearing what, hearing what the people are saying. What is the number one concern? that you're hearing from Utah voters. And for us out here in the heartland that are seeing these polls showing uh, Biden ahead by 10 11 points and the mainstream media trying to tell us that it's over, give us some encouraging words uh, because you're on the ground talking to people to tell us that this race is far from over. Okay,
3: first of all, go to BurgessForUtah.com for those who know a little bit about me and, and that support me in my, my effort here. Uh, what what I would say is this, If Americans, again, we have not been taught our history, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about our history. There's a book, matter of fact, that Chris uh, Stewart came out called "The Seven Miracles That Saved America." Our history is about uh, about a country of people do their very best to get better every single generation. But because of the miracles that God has given us throughout this time, we still we continue to, to survive. And it's always about the miracles. 2016, guys, was a miracle. None of us expected that, but in our DNA as Americans, we we just we just intrinsically drift toward the right, to the light, and we drift away from the darkness. So, so I would say that I, I know that uh, there's a lot of energy here in Utah, so I, and, and there's a lot of energy across the country when you see what's, what's going on with the Trump rallies and all, all those kind of things. I would, I would say to keep your hope up, believe in the American people. Have trust in American people, not in the polls, not in the pundits. The American people do the right things, and, and there's a God in heaven that wants to make sure our, continue, our, 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 our country remains the, the, the city, the, the, the light on the hill. We are that place of freedom, of, of, of doing the right things the best way we can, and of simulating in a way that no other country has done. So uh, just know that we have a history, and it's been consistent, and all we have to do is look at our hearts, continue to vote for the right, for the light. And we do that, and it are going to come out just fine. So uh, to me, it, it, I have total confidence in we the people, like I have co- total confidence in, in new times here, that, uh, that this is going to be a great moment for us. We look back, and the next four years will be a true renaissance. He's talking about people coming together and the division that's going away. When we start winning, there's nothing like the American people. How we can high five, love each other, no matter whether we agree mm-hmm. on everything. We we have the same end game, and uh, and that's what we're going to get done when this when this uh, November 3rd is done with.
4: I love I love the the sound of that, Burgess. We only have a couple minutes left here. Let's try to get a couple questions in rapid fire. Uh, you just okay. explained. You just did a great job of explaining uh, what you're fighting for and what what the future holds in your opinion if the if 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 you and the Republicans are able to win these elections win the White House what's your biggest fear what what's what's your biggest fear that you're fighting against that could happen in your opinion if the Democrats do get control of the White House <laughs> and maybe also the Senate in the in the house how what what is well, what could happen
3: the, well the greatest fear is that we now see that there is a uh, they're termites that has been going after our institutions for, for decades. You right now have the Bidens uh, that we're now realizing have done some very devious and possibly uh, tradious things with, with China and Ukraine. And yet we have a media that does not let people know that. So we now see what it looks like for, for, for a communist or a socialist or a Marxist country that controls media, that controls information. My greatest concern is that when we, the people, are not educated, then we lose. In, ignorant and free can never be was thomas jefferson and that, that's that's what we need to fight for education make sure our kids are are understanding as we go through this, this college process so i would say this my greatest concern is that we don't get the information out at the same time i know the miracles will happen that american people those who really want to understand and see how our country moves forward will get the information they need and they get on their knees and they'll make the right choice and our country will continue to move toward the light and i look forward to that
4: one more for uh, Burgess, chris go ahead
5: Burgess, Mitt Romney has made no secret that he is not a fan of President Trump. Uh, Mitt is a favorite son, supposedly out there in Utah. Is that true? And do you see Mitt ever losing any popularity over his stance uh, with uh, President Trump? Yeah.
3: Well. Well, Mitt uh, is, is not uh, is not representative of the Utah in terms of our views here. Um, when I say that. Uh, yeah, we 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 believe in, in, in uh in education, uh, God, uh, uh, industry, the family unit, and our president has done the very best. And any president I've seen since Reagan to stamp all of the above. So we now realize, at the end of the day, there are there is something we're all against. And as I mentioned before, you know, my community is black leaders. I think right, throughout our country now we have to realize that there are people uh, who see more about uh, their uh, uh, their friends and and their their policies versus the people. Uh, and at the end of the day. Uh, I mean, here in Utah, we'll come together and do the right thing, and uh, and just and, and make make the rest of our country really proud as we move forward. I, I do believe that
4: it is not too late if you want to help out the message of Burgess Owens. We can't vote for him necessarily here in uh, in Missouri and Illinois, but you can still support these candidates that you want to see get into uh, office. In November, you can go to com if you want to support Burgess or learn more about his campaign. And, Burgess, I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk again before the election. We might try to catch you one more time. But uh, whether we talk to you before then or not, let's make sure we talk again very, very soon, my friend. You
3: you know, I'm always open, guys. Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate you guys. Big time. Best of luck. All
4: the best. Yeah, Thank you, guys. Yep. Right, Looking forward to talking to you next time, uh, Mr. Congressman. Let's just put it that way, right? It <laughs> has a nice ring to it. <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. That was Burgess Owens, and we got to take a quick break. We've got more Weekend Report coming up next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome back to the Weekend Report 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here with producer Frank Ladd and my partner Chris Arps. And great to talk with Burgess Owens in that last segment If you missed any of it and you're listening to the radio.com app, you can always rewind live radio or get our uh, podcast there on the radio.com app or just about anywhere else you get podcasts. You can find the Weekend Report podcast. Joining us now on the phone, as I mentioned earlier, is our friend Virginia Cruda from the Daily Caller. Virginia, always great to talk with you. How's it going? I can't complain. It's Friday, right? Or right? Saturday. <laughs> Weekend. Yeah. Weekend. It's Friday or Saturday depending it's on a pandemic. I don't know yeah. what day it is. Depending on when you hear this or when we recorded it, you just <laughs> never really know for sure, right? Um so right? we've uh, we've we've talked a lot in this first hour about some of the issues of the day and got into a lot of stuff there with Burgess, but one of the things that we haven't talked about yet Uh, One of the biggest headlines of the week is all this stuff with Hunter Biden and uh, the New York Post and all of the information that has been uh, revealed by the New York Post. I wanted to get uh, your thoughts, Virginia, on the way that uh, this this story has been presented to the country and the way it's been covered Mm -hmm. by the media. What are you what are your thoughts on the Hunter Biden situation and what we learned this week? Mm
6: Well, first of all, I'm going to plug our video guys at the Daily Caller yes. because they got yeah. in the car and they drove up to New York City and they landed an in-person interview with Rudy Giuliani about all this. Nice, and it is live on the Daily Caller's website right now, um, and you can go and check that out. They haven't; they have 30 minutes of just Q and A with our White House correspondent Christian Daytalk and uh, Rudy Giuliani talking about how all this came out. That is great. Uh, the fact the fact that the guy who owned the shop actually shopped this hard drive to the FBI first and they sat on it for what, four or five months. And then he went to uh, Giuliani. Giuliani also said that this guy made four copies of the hard drive and gave two of them to friends because he thought he was in danger of possibly being killed over this. So mm. there's a lot in that interview to unpack. And, okay. uh, yeah, so it's definitely worth going to check that out. Um, but uh, and anyway, the big story I think this week, though, was how Twitter covered, um, well, most people are assuming that they're covering for Biden. I don't know if it's that per se, it's just that they don't want stories to come out that they're not sure they agree with. Hmm. And I think that th- that's across the board. So it might, you know, today it's Biden, tomorrow it might be something completely different. But just the idea that they can coordinate an effort to censor something so completely has a lot of people talking about the impact of big tech going forward. And uh, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley has been on top of this from the beginning. Um, and so if you watch what he's pushing forward right now, wanting to talk to Jack about Twitter, wanting to talk to Facebook again and Google and all the rest, and because this is a big deal. If they can shut down a story... And it was very quick. Um, people who shared the story uh, were blocked from doing so, and then their accounts were locked. And this includes the Trump campaign official account, Kayleigh McEnany, the press secretary's personal account, a number of uh, Politico Jake, uh, Politico's Jake Sherman. He does the uh, Politico playbook every week. He didn't support the story. He tweeted a link to the story along with a series of tweets talking about how he didn't think it had been properly vetted before it was published, but because he tweeted the link, he was blocked too. Um, and so they, I mean, this was a complete blackout on this particular story. And then once the link was made available again, it gave you, if you clicked on the link in somebody's tweet, once it was live, it took you to a warning page that says this link might not be safe. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's and, incredible yeah it it was the the censorship was so quick and so complete, I think people, even if they didn't necessarily agree with the story um like Jake Sherman said he you know he he had a problem with the reporting, he had a problem with the sourcing et cetera, et cetera, we should be allowed to talk about that, but we should also be able to see what we're talking about, so you know I don't have a problem with him saying he's got a problem with the sourcing. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the problems we have with the sourcing for the Atlantic article.
7: Mm-hmm. You know,
6: let's have <laughs> let's talk about the problems with the sourcing for what the New York Times piece is accusing Kavanaugh of sexual assault. You know, if, if you want to go back, we can talk about sourcing, but we need to be able to see the story too.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And it needs to be you You need to be checking stories on both sides. And it doesn't seem like uh, exactly it doesn't seem like one side ever is a victim of that uh, of that censorship. Uh, go ahead, Chris. You
5: know, Virginia, this story is not getting the same attention as the Hunter Biden story. But on the same day that Facebook and Twitter was censoring the New York Post story on Hunter Biden, big uh, conglomerate Amazon dot is censoring the new film by Michael, by uh, Shelby Steele, What Killed Michael Brown? Uh, they declared that that movie wasn't suitable for their platform. And so, as you know, Shelby Steele is a conservative uh, okay. author, a conservative filmmaker. Um, he was giving a narrative that is not the usual narrative when you hear about the Michael Brown case. And this is right. just another classic case of just censorship in America.
6: Well, right. And I get, you know, Amazon, I think, is a little bit different because Amazon does not purport itself to be uh, like a free marketplace of ideas. Twitter is supposed to be that. Facebook is supposed to be that. In fact, they have legal protections because they are considered to be platforms rather than publishers. And I think that, you know, for Amazon, I mean, technically, it's a, it's a, a business owned by Jeff Bezos. And if they're going to say, you know this is not okay for our particular um our our particular audience i well then why pick up the movie in the first place?
4: The <laughs> you know what I mean no, like I agree. why pick up I the agree. movie in the first place if you're not gonna if you're not gonna promote it you know if it's that if it doesn't line up with your Right. It's, it's, well, it's I don't. Very know, strange. I don't know
6: much about the situation. Did they pick it up? Did they say, "Hey, we're going to produce this," or we're going to? Well, well, well here's know. what
5: it was. Uh, Eli Steele, because I'm actually in the movie. They did a documentary if you can stop on the Michael, movie,
6: on, they on this
5: movie. Yeah. Ahead,
4: yeah, and they decide not to.
5: Yeah. Yeah. They submitted. They submitted the film to Amazon. To and today is is the actually the or Saturday Friday was the opening date for this. He submitted the yes. film to them, and he sent them an email back saying, um, "We're sorry, this is this content. It doesn't fit our standards. Um, we're not going to allow you to play it on our platform, and there's no appeal."
6: Mm. Okay, see, That's- yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it's different if, like, Amazon Prime said, "Okay, we're going to produce this movie," right? And then when it turned out they said something that that Amazon didn't like, then they censored it. But this is. You know, it'd be like me saying I have a book for self-publication and Amazon says, no, we're not going to publish that. Yeah. Uh, it's, but to me, but, that's but, different. Yeah, but than, it's it is. I yeah, think, but, it,
5: but it's but it's awfully strange that two weeks before the yeah. election, Amazon doesn't want a movie out showing people rioting and stuff, showing who the Democratic Party right. is, and they're trying you know, to say that this man's film is not suitable for their platform when he won a freaking Emmy Award in two thousand for yeah. a, docu- a
4: document. And I think this it proves don't... the and I think it proves the ultimate point of the slant of big tech right now right. in this country.
6: I. I... But I would say, I would venture a guess that given the content of the film as you described it, um, Amazon might have turned that down even if it wasn't two weeks for an ele- from an election. I don't, I don't know if the, the election is necessarily a relevant factor, just because Amazon is leaning that direction anyway. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's still an egregious move on their part to say, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna promote these films but not that one. Yeah. Um, but again. I think it's different when you are legally protected by um, Section 230 that because you're a platform, you can't be sued for your content, et cetera, et cetera, like Facebook and Twitter. Um, I think it's different when you promote yourself as a platform but act as a publisher, and yes. I think Amazon is a little bit of a different Different wheelhouse there now, yeah, I, They're in a different wheelhouse But yeah.
5: still the, the, their motives right. are still the same The right. reason why right. Joe Biden yeah. and Kamala Harris Don't do inter, Don't do don't do do not rallies and stuff Because they don't want Black Lives Matter out there Protesting and showing who they are now, And Amazon doesn't want this movie out there Showing protests and who the Democrats are Two weeks before the two, election two To ver- play into Trump's law and order narrative yeah. I mean it's just blatantly obvious I'm not obvious sure
4: anybody paying attention so, doesn't know who they are So unfortunately we're out of time but yeah, I, I, to Virginia's point, it doesn't legally line up the same way as Facebook and Twitter do. But it continues it's to censorship. show it continues to show big tech and their slant, and uh, uh, you know, and what they the messages that they're putting out right now. Uh, Virginia, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to yeah. go check out uh, the uh, the stuff on the Daily Caller. I want to see that uh, Rudy Giuliani video, definitely for sure. Thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, that's going to do it for the first hour of the Weekend Report, but plenty more to go. Don't go anywhere. We'll talk to Dr. Randy Tobler when we get back on 97.1 FM Talk.
2: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medellin the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Midella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crownland Port, Chicago, Illinois.
0: It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio.
4: Thank you, Perry Woods, and it is the second hour of the Weekend Report on your radio. Thanks again for tuning in. If you missed anything from that first hour, make sure you download our podcast. You can get our podcast just about anywhere you get podcasts, but I always recommend the Radio.com app. Very cool, Radio.com app. You can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio with the new Radio Rewind feature. And you can download the podcast of this and every other show on the station all right there on the Radio.com app. It's all free. All you have to do is download the app and then Favorite 97.1 FM Talk, and that's it. You got Everything right there uh, in that first hour, we talked to Virginia Cruda from the Daily Caller and had a good long conversation with our buddy Burgess Owens, uh, who is running, of course, for United States Congress in the state of Utah and is a former Super Bowl champion and best-selling author. And just always, uh, uh, Chris, I say it every time. It's good for the soul to talk to Burgess Owens. I always feel better, a little bit better about uh, the future when I talk to Burgess.
5: Same here, my friend. You know, I was thinking that if uh, Burgess does make it to the House, I think he will set, uh, set three records. And the last one I think Frank can help me with. I'm not exactly sure. But if he's elected, he'll be the first African-American elected statewide in Utah. I think he next he'll be the first African-American Mormon elected to the House of Representatives. And Frank, this is up your field because you're our sports guy. He will also be the first Super Bowl champion elected to the uh, House of Representatives to Congress. Sound, Is that correct?
4: That sounds right to you? Sounds right to me.
1: Can't disagree with it yet.
5: Yeah. He's
1: going <laughs> to he, I'll get back to you.
4: He's going to do some research and let All us right. know. But uh well, yeah, I, as far I mean, as I can tell, the first tell. Super Bowl
5: champion to be elected will yeah. be elected to uh, to Congress. I
4: think you're I think you're probably right on that deal. All right, and uh, like I said, we've got a whole second hour to go here, and we're getting started with our buddy Randy Tobler. Dr. Tobler putting in a little overtime this weekend. Of course, you can hear the Randy Tobler show every Saturday morning, and it's always great to talk to the doc. How's it going, doc? Doing well, Tony. It looks hey, like according to, the poll- according to the
2: poll, it looks like uh- – Donald Trump's going to have to be putting in some overtime. The, uh, the <laughs> yeah. path to electoral vi- victory seems to be pretty narrow.
4: Yeah, do you be- do you believe those polls? I think he was. Uh, I think going into election night in 2016, it was like a 91 percent uh, chance that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And obviously, that's not how it panned out. Uh, do you do you believe the polls a little bit more this time around?
2: I do, and here's why. I, I think while the silent majority is silent, and uh, the majority may even be uh, at their core potentially a little bit bigger, we have a we now have an electorate that is four years older, and it's incorporating a younger and more powerfully vocal group of uh, of young people who grew up during uh, you know the 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 oh eight oh nine crisis, and who are a little disillusioned with uh, with uh, dependence on Republican. Um, operations. I mean, mm. very frankly, what I'm hearing when I talk to young people that have become new voters or maybe were disenchanted voters in the last cycle, um, they they look at what's been going on in terms of um, the promises made, and in their view, not kept. Because frankly, they consume a lot of the mainstream media that is disingenuous, that is, um, uh, as we've learned in the last thing with the uh, with the uh, Hunter Biden, you know, email revelations that is censoring, censor, uh, you know, censoring things from them, and um, they're, they're not, they're not and, and I don't mean to demean them, Tony, but they're not really um, analytic consumers of information. They're not going out and looking for the truth. They are rapid, uh, short, attention span consumers, and it's not to demean them. That's just the way they are. Uh, and I'm just concerned that that group of voters is going to become more active in this election and make the polls a little more true to form than uh, than they were the last time. I hope I'm wrong. I, I really do, because I think it's an ex- if if Biden and Kamala Harris and AOC and the squad get their way, it's an existential threat to the republic. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I steadfastly remain um, very vocal on that count.
5: Go ahead, Chris. I think this race is going to be much tighter than what the polls say, Dr. Tobler. And i tell you what is giving me uh, signs of encouragement is in the four battleground states, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and I uh, can't think of the fourth one, Republican new voter registrations dwarf the Democratic registrations. And I'm hearing that 99 percent of those people vote for the first time when they've newly registered. And I think just Republicans just have the enthusiasm uh, over the Democrats this cycle. Uh, you know, Democrats pin their hopes every, every cycle on the millennials and the young people coming out, and uh, yeah. they rarely do. And for, in order for the Democrats to win, they're going to need a Barack Obama 2008 turnout. And I just don't see that type of excitement uh, for 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 Joe Biden. And people want something to vote for more than to vote against. And I, I think uh, hopefully Donald Trump is going to have four more years. Your thoughts? I, I I hope you're right. And I think what's going to tip the the balance in Trump's favor
2: it is if it is to be tipped. Uh, if you look at the Axios report this morning, um, which I access, uh, and and others that are looking at uh, at uh, you know, reporting in the background that there's a lot of reporting going on and what's going on and reporting about chaos in the uh, in the uh, Trump campaign. it's It's really going to be up to Donald Trump. And is he going to be able to temper a little bit, just uh, just a little bit to <laughs> temper his um, his personalized, hmm. uh, sometimes combative message? because hmm. I think there are a persuadable group of people who are unhappy with his personal style but realize they're willing to discard some of the COVID-19 hysteria that they've heard from the mainstream media and from Savannah Guthrie last night. Um, and they're willing to look that aside, but I think there is a threshold tolerance that they're not willing to tolerate in terms of Trump's sometimes bizarre behavior. And I you can only characterize it that way, yeah. um, That is just out it's just out of the guardrails for some people, that just can't—they they have a tolerance— and if he can temper that a little bit and and i hate to use the word be more presidential but i think we all know what that means um, and just you know just maybe not push the send button on the tweet now and then that he tends to do i think he can win those people over because they realize at their soul that his his policies speak for themselves and pre covid they were fantastic frankly during covid i think he's right what he what he told savannah last night the cure can't be worse than the disease and people feel that viscerally they realize that the hysteria and the fear that has been mongered by Biden and Harris and those on the left um, about uh, about the COVID crisis, um, they realize that you know they're taking that with a grain of salt too. So it's going to depend on Trump's on Trump's behavior in these last two and a half weeks. I'm convinced of that.
5: Doctor Toler, do you think because there are so many voters that are that are not undecided, that the the range is so low there, that this is going to be just more of a a base turnout election more than trying to convert fence-sitting or moderates? Hmm.
2: No, I really think the base is going to turn out on both sides. I think the enthusiasm I may disagree with Chris a little bit here— I think the the vitriol and the hatred and the literally just do anything to destroy the Trump presidency— uh, on the left is is I think as strong as is his enthusiasm on the right. Yeah. You, um, I,
4: I, again, I hope I'm wrong. But, I, I've uh, never boy, seen I'm, an election that's been more about it's it's it. This this election is only about Donald Trump. Joe Biden is just along for the ride. People are either hmm. voting for Trump because they love him, or they're right. voting against Trump because they hate him. And Joe Biden is literally the empty suit that just is occupying the letter D right now that there's, yeah. there's nobody that's, that's like, Oh, Joe Biden, he's the guy, he's the greatest president that we could have. And he can turn things around. Nobody says that it's, I hate Donald Trump. That's why I'm voting for Joe Biden.
5: I just don't see can the millennial voters and independents just standing in line yeah. for four hours. Some yeah. of these people to yeah. vote. Go I just ahead, don't Doc. think they have, yeah, that, they'll uh, have that patience. Let me
2: tell you an anecdotal story. You know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I lead a, a hospital in in, uh, in Northeast Missouri, a, a critical access hospital, and I heard a story the other day. the employees are having a pumpkin uh, decorating contest, and uh, department by department. And I heard the other day that um, we lost a patient who came in and saw that one of the departments had had a Trump train pumpkin uh, assortment, and I'm out of the office this week, so I didn't witness it, but I heard it. Uh, now we've taken that down because we're a political subdivision, and they didn't understand that that we cannot advertise, you know, be in favor, be in favor of one or another candidate. Sure. So we we removed that, and that, you know. But the, uh, apparently, a patron came in and said, "I'm I'm leaving the hospital. I'll have nothing to do with this because you guys are promoting Trump." Now that's an anecdote, but that's how viscerally yes. Yeah, uh, people feel about anti-Trump sentiment. It's strong. It's out there. And this was not a young person, by the way. This was not a
4: young person. Yeah, it's. That, it's uh, I'll go it's have amazing. my heart
5: attack somewhere else, mind you. <laughs> right.
4: <laughs> so the one of the reasons that I, I really enjoy and and uh, loved the opportunity to get Dr. Randy Tobler on the show is because he's one of the smartest political minds that I know. And then, of course, uh, with the medical background. Um, One of the best people to talk about this coronavirus situation. So, Doc, um, can you give us an update on where we are in our local area here as far as the virus is concerned? And also uh, any information you have about a vaccine timeline, anything, any any update or information you can give us? Um, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I think
2: that uh, ironically, out of an abundance of uh, caution, I believe that the safety steps that normally go into viral into vaccine testing are actually going to be more rigorously adhered to this this time, Tony. And um, I mean, we've heard that uh, two of the vaccine trials were paused. Uh, The one uh, that was paused a a month or so, uh, three or four weeks ago on the Moderna vaccine, which now has been resumed internationally, but is still suspended in the U.S., I think speaks to that there's an awful lot of caution going on because the last thing that people want to have happen is um, being accused of, you know, this being rushed through and it was, the, it was the president, you know, pushing these people to go out of the, out of the bounds of normal vaccine trials. So I, I, I really, while the president has been very optimistic that we might have something in the November, December time range, I really think we're probably looking at the first part of the year before we see the vaccines developed uh, one or more. And it's going to be administered to, um, I think, healthcare workers probably in the most hot spot of hot areas first, and then uh, the vulnerable elderly as more doses become available. I think the real money, though, in managing this thing is we're not going to stop it. It's clear whether you look at the rural data or the metropolitan data nationally and even in our state, um, it's raging. It is getting everywhere uh, because of either partial compliance with masks or they don't work. Who knows? I believe they do work in terms of reducing the risk not eliminating it of me transmitting it to you but uh, that said we're not gonna stop this thing it's widespread now and the president's personal experience he was so spot on a week ago uh, Wednesday when he said you know this this treatment that I have is really a a template and I hope to get it out to everyone I think that early treatment of people with some kind of a standardized widely available treatment regimen and those have been put out there by other doctors, uh, not even with Regeneron and, and other things that he got, but uh, generally available things, including hydroxychloroquine, including azithromycin, including some other antivirals and vitamins and so forth. I think the treatment is going to be the real way that we mitigate this uh, in the in the short to medium term until we do get vaccines. So I think that's the path that I would like to see develop them quickly as we wait on the vaccines, but there's no doubt it's here. And we just have to try to mitigate it however we can, whether it is with frankly mask mandates and partial lockdowns where you are overwhelming hospitals. And there are, there are evidence of, there is evidence of that. I mean, in Wisconsin, they're having to do field hospitals, but those, those instances I think are going to be few and far between. If we start treating people earlier after their diagnosis, if they're symptomatic, and uh, in in defined groups that are vulnerable to go on to hospitalization and death, I oh, think we're going to manage to we're going to develop protocols, and those are already out there. They just need to be widely utilized, tested, and implemented.
4: Only got a couple minutes left here with Dr. Randy Tobler. Let's try to get in a couple more quick ones. Chris, go ahead.
5: Sure. Dr. Tobler, when the President was admitted to Walter Reed and received this experimental drug, Regeneron. The media was absolutely up in arms that we were putting the president in danger. How could we use him as a guinea pig like that? How much danger was the president really in, do you think, taking this experimental drug? I think little to none.
7: <laughs> I mean, this
5: is nothing more than a mix of
2: antibodies against various parts of the, of the virus that we, we currently use. The similar kind of a protocol through uh, people that are exposed to hepatitis A, if uh, if uh, either one of you guys were in a restaurant last night and it uh, came out that today or, or on Sunday or on Monday uh, someone at the restaurant had hepatitis A, one of the workers, you'd all be called in to be given anti-hepatitis A antibodies. Uh, it's also done in some pediatric respiratory illnesses as well. So the, the template is out there, and the safety trials had already been either done or in trial with, uh, in process with Regeneron. So that kind of a thing to help reduce the viral load that can replicate within our cells was a was a critical thing, and then the remdesivir, which once the virus is on board, helps reduce its ability to replicate within the cells. So it was a two it was a two pronged approach that was highly effective, and then finally they used some dexamethasone, which is a standard, widely used, cheap uh, steroid, which helps reduce the inflammatory response which is ultimately what really is the the culprit in in leading to severe grave illness and death in people. And so I think that three-pronged approach, along with the vitamins he was on, was a brilliant approach. Um, And it should probably be considered earlier than it is currently indicated for, which is hospitalized, severely ill patients. I think if we we move that treatment protocol uh, up a little bit, and rather than waiting for people to be severely ill, once those things are available widely, I think it's going to be it's going to be a great process, something like that. Anyway, I think we're on the road to to uh, to to writing that in rock. I hope so.
4: Doc, uh, only a, a, a few seconds left here. But you mentioned masks and you believe that they work and I believe that they work. I don't I, I know nothing. Right. I have no you, you. You have the education and the knowledge in this area. But my my small amount of education and belief that I have is that masks Social distancing and keeping your hands clean and not going out when you're sick and, and, you know, those things. That's the way to combat this and slow the spread and and hopefully eventually stop uh, this coronavirus. I don't believe in lockdowns at all. And the WHO made some news this week when they came out and said that they don't recommend using lockdowns as a way to combat the um, uh, coronavirus. What are your what were your thoughts on on what the uh, on that announcement by the WHO this week?
2: Yeah, well, it depends how you define lockdown. I mean, I think if you, if you you know, in certain areas that are high super spreader events by nature of their business, I think you have to think that through. If you have a curfew and you, you close down a bar in an area where the hospitals are overwhelmed, hypothetically, and you close down bars after 10 p.m. or something, you know, some reasonable accommodation in a very focused surgical way, I, I would be open to that. But you're right. I mean, if everyone wore a mask in the right circumstances, for crying out loud, not, I was down at uh, Branson this weekend at Silver Dollar City and in Branson, they, they, they have a mask mandate. You have to wear them outdoors for crying out loud. It makes no common sense to do that unless you're packed in, you know, shoulder to shoulder at a Rose Garden event, for instance. I think they should have had masks there. And we need to be honest about that as conservatives. There is a risk reduction that helps in certain circumstances with masks and all the other social hygiene things you mentioned. That's the way to manage it. You're absolutely right.
4: Yep, good stuff. Dr. Randy Tobler, you can always hear the doc every Saturday morning at 6 o'clock right here on 97.1 FM Talk. And uh, like I said, doc, thanks for putting in a little overtime with us this weekend. We always appreciate your time. It's always my pleasure. Thanks, guys. You bet. Thank you, doc. All right, let's take another quick break and come back with more Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Frank likes this one. This used to be the uh, this used to be the theme. This used yeah. to be the opener. Remember, Chris?
1: You remember? How could I forget? Yeah,
4: this used to be the theme. This is Just a makes great you want stuff. to jump around it like does. you're in a
1: like you're in a dance pit or something.
4: It's, yeah, that's right. It's a great Knocking music people. of Perry Woods, who is the soundtrack of the Weekend Report. We use all of Perry Woods music every week, and uh, you can check out his music on Amazon or iTunes or anywhere you download music. And I highly recommend you download the Woods Experience music if you're looking for some great new music. And if you don't download Perry's, at least download another St. Louis artist and always support local music. Right, Chris? We
5: pay very high royalties to play this music, don't we? That's right.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. Do we? Um, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But definitely support local music. You know, the gig economy is actually booming Um, You know, at at the beginning of coronavirus, it was musicians, you know, that rely on booking gigs and working at bars and nightclubs and things like that that were really hit hard, like really hard, obviously, by coronavirus at the beginning. But since some of these – since the restrictions have been lifted in a lot of places like St. Charles County and, you know, some other more rural areas like down to the Lake of the Ozarks – here in the in the, in St. Louis County and St. Louis City, you know, we still see a lot of those restrictions. But if you if you haven't left the area in, in very long, you may not realize that there it's a lot different in in places that are outside the city and the county. And because of the restrictions being lifted in the long time that people haven't had a chance to go out and see live music and go to concerts and things like that, that now. Bands are being booked at, a, at like record levels in some of these areas. And, yeah, unfortunately, they're not able to play in the city or the county, and that hurts a lot of the venues around us. But a lot of these musicians are, are getting a lot of work now and getting booked uh, at, a, at a really rapid pace because there's this huge appetite uh, for, from people that want to go back out and enjoy live music and go back out and, and go to concerts and live performances. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, – A lot of these musicians are able to get back to work.
5: I tell you where you're seeing a real uh, jump in the gig economy is when the fast food industry and uh, Uber eat drivers. I mean, you you can't go anywhere in the city without seeing uh, uh, help wanted signs at fast food places. I see that in in my travels. Yeah. Um, A lot of fast food restaurants are hiring along with the rest of the economy. But you're really, really seeing that in in that uh, segment of the economy.
4: So let's dive in here while we have a few minutes to get back into some of the big stories of the week. If you've missed anything on today's show, check out our podcast. Of course, you can get on the radio.com app. Great conversation with Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller, our buddy Dr. Randy Tobler, and of course, Burgess Owens. And uh, we've had a, you know, a chance to get into a lot of stories, but there's, there's never enough time, and there's always more issues to talk about. So Chris, I wanted to get into a couple more with you now um let's start with the town halls what did you think of the dueling town halls that we saw this week instead of a presidential debate um i actually spent a lot of my time on thursday evening watching joe jorgensen's town hall on uh (laughs) youtube and facebook i did watch a little bit of uh, joe biden and the president but uh i was in the mood for some common sense so i was watching the uh the libertarian town hall what did you think of the of the two town halls that we saw this week well,
5: before I talk about the two town halls, I've got to talk about uh, Joe Jorgensen, who's going to be um, on the
4: show next week. Going to yeah, be right she's going to be on the show on the next week. And you,
5: re- and you remember, we've had her on before. Yes, we have. And when I asked her the question, would a Joe Jorgensen would have attacked Japan after uh, the surprise, or would we have? Would she have entered World War II after the surprise mm-hmm. attack on Pearl Harbor? And she told me, um, "That's a good question. I don't know." Um, she kind of. Kind of lost me on, on that one, Tony. But Chris, what did you think I, of the two town I, 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 halls I this week? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, look, I watched probably about 20 minutes each of the both the town halls. Like most Americans, I wish they would have been together in the same venue. When I watched Joe Biden's uh, town hall, it was painful. You could tell they had obviously loaded him up with a bunch of talking points for a bunch of different issues. And when someone asked him a, uh, a question, he pulled out those talking points and he rambled. And he rambled and he rambled. You could see several times George Stephanopoulos had to had to basically cut him off
4: because he was talking too much. You know, Chris, I saw a, one of the moments of that I saw, and I didn't. I'm like you, I did not watch the whole thing, so I just happened to be lucky enough to catch this moment. Right. They were talking about uh, fracking and about his clean energy policy. Yeah, I saw And that. and George Stephanopoulos brings up the Green New Deal, and Joe Biden says. Well, I don't I don't support the Green New Deal. I I have my own deal. And George Stephanopoulos says, well, the Green New Deal is on your website as the structure for your plan. And Joe Biden says, no, it's not. My plan is. No, Joe is wrong. He's he doesn't even know what's on his own website. It literally says unless they change it since the town hall, because I've seen it i've gone there and checked it a million times i keep waiting for them to change it it says on his website that the green new deal joe biden believes that the green new deal is the structure the base for the a perfect clean energy plan he supports the green new deal it says it on his campaign website and he's trying to tell george stephanopoulos that it doesn't say that on his website somebody help joe tell joe what's on his website it's unbelievable it's unbelievable.
5: Rush Limbaugh calls what uh, George Stephanopoulos did last night a random act of journalism. Uh, Don't expect too much of that. But, uh, you know, all Joe Biden is doing is dividing himself with the AOC base. They are for fracking. And, uh, you know, the president opened that up a little bit during their debate. It got out last night. That's one of the uh, fissures that uh, the Republicans and the Trump campaign can use is to divide the Democratic base is Fracking and Green New Deal.
4: Mm-hmm. What did you think about? Because he's it?
5: all over the map on it.
4: And and just the title. I was I didn't realize the title of the town hall until I flipped it on. It was called the Vice President and the People. Like. <laughs> Like it had this like very yeah. it, this very dramatic name of the special, the Vice President and the People. It like, fe- it uh, feels like something from
1: Saturday Morning, you know, old, <laughs> Yeah, right. An old uh, uh w- what was the TV show with following a, a ballot through the? Oh the. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, 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 rock uh,
5: Hollywood Rock or
1: no, schoolhouse, uh, rock? schoolhouse Rock? Rock, yes. that's it. Yeah. yeah,
4: has that feel I'm of a, a Schoolhouse bill, Rock. Only a bit. Yeah, and it's, I'm sitting here. You know, here, luckily when you're a politician,
5: Hill. you're you are able to keep. Uh, keep your titles, so it wasn't a, it wasn't wrong that they said it was the vice president. No, of the people, I know, but I didn't say but that. I'm just saying it was obvious what they were trying to right. do was trying to give him gravitas by right. this is the vice president, your future president. I get what they were trying to do.
4: What did you? And and they didn't uh, not one question about Hunter Biden, unbelievable, shocker, unbelievable. I mean, tough questions. <laughs> I want to see tough questions on. I want. I don't mind. Look. People have said that the that the questioning that t- Trump has faced in these town halls and debates have been unfair. I don't think the questions to do, to Donald Trump have been unfair in any way. But he's the only one that gets challenged. I want to see those tough questions being asked to both candidates and they're not. They never have been throughout this entire election season.
5: And I don't think they will and that's why it was such a missed opportunity. In the first debate, when Trump wouldn't let uh, Joe Biden answer any questions, we could have got all of this stuff out into the public discourse, and we'd be talking about it for the next two weeks, and, and two or three weeks already talking about it instead of two weeks left and trying to get this into the campaign. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: there is still one debate scheduled. Do yeah. either of you think it happens?
5: Yes. Oh yeah, it has to. I think it, it has happens. to. But I think. Honestly, I think they're trying to set it up that Joe Biden misses the debate because he's been exposed to I, Corona. I was if just you, look, to, if yep. you look at, at with the uh, vice presidential candidate Harris, she's got people that are around her that have been tested positive. She hasn't yet. I think they possibly be trying to set this up for Joe not having a debate. Wouldn't be surprised I, if he comes down with it or someone close to him does.
4: I agree. I was going to put that caveat on there unless they. Unless Joe Biden is magically exposed to uh, COVID this week. We
5: can't have a good week. We can't have a good weekend report show if we don't get a good uh, conspiracy theory. Into right, it, you know Right.
4: But I, I definitely plan on that happening. And I know <laughs> that we here at 97.1 plan on being here for you, covering that again. Like we have uh, the other two debates and, and uh, you know, doing some. Uh, pre-show coverage on our Facebook page and then carrying the debate, and then I'm going to be live in studio again after the debate on Thursday night. So we are going to have you covered top to bottom like we have in the other two debates once again this week. So uh, definitely plan on, on joining us for that presidential debate. Uh, that's
5: Thursday, right?
4: It's this coming Thursday. Yep. I don't, Thursday. Okay. I don't think anybody covers uh, uh, the debates better than we do. Um, I agree. Yeah, and we always have both sides represented. So don't think you're only going to get uh, uh, one message. And I get uh, Keith I, Anton count as the other side. He does. I think he does. Okay. And uh, yeah, and I often get accused. I get so funny. I get accused because <laughs> I guess because uh, of my libertarian uh, mindset that sometimes I'm you know on an issue very conservative and sometimes i'm um a little bit more um uh socially liberal yeah. that uh, I'll get accused in a in a week in a given week I'll get accused a hundred times of being um either a, a super liberal or in the tank for the president i I never know which one um which one i I really am because I get accused so often of of being on both sides.
5: that's a good thing, right?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I want to talk about another story here real quick, Chris. We only have a couple minutes left, but um, I don't know if you saw this story that came out about the McCloskeys leaving an autographed picture of themselves (laughs) along with their tip. Um, Here's what I don't like. Here's what I hate about uh, uh, this story. And and I hate that we always uh, um, put people's names and their personalities and we attach them to an issue. I don't think the McCloskeys are doing themselves or that issue any favors. I am – I legally and from a Second Amendment standpoint, I'm on their side. But they're a hard couple to root for when you're doing things like unsolicited – leaving unsolicited autographs for servers because that is somehow supposed to brighten their day. If they had
1: asked for the cards, totally different. Sure.
4: Totally different. But
1: it was just suddenly there, and it was I like, know. was it in lieu of a tip? Was it in addition to the tip? No, it was was along with the tip. It was along yeah. with the tip. But it's it, it's kind of one of those things It's like, that's a tough sell. Yeah. You know, you're, you're really
5: not helping Go a ahead, Chris. bit, this is, are this, you? This is how I look at it. Look, I no, think all three of us can agree that the McCloskey's legal practice is over. Can we all agree with that? Yeah. So yeah. have they? And so have they switched
1: so. to being spokespeople now? <laughs> and they
5: so. need I the think media attention. To gather some celebrities so they can embark upon their new careers because the legal career is over.
4: Well, as a big supporter of the Second Amendment, <laughs> and somebody who believes that the law is on their side on this one. I would ask them to stop because they're not doing—they're <laughs> not doing us any favors. They're not when they're uh, when they're doing uh, stop, that huh? that sort of stuff. Um, one more quick story. Well,
1: and here. remember, I believe there was a cease and desist letter sent to them by the photographer. Oh, really? They used his,
4: his picture without his consent.
1: Well, I mean, Al right. Locken Either that says or, they or, or a bill.
4: Al yeah. said they're asked so much for their autograph that that's why they they carry it with them everywhere they go. And one, that's fine. Sign. One more quick one, Chris. Uh, I know that uh, mail-in balloting has been a big uh, uh, story for you, a big issue for you. Uh, this week in California, fake drop-off boxes were appearing across the state. Just another, uh, just a- a- another problem with the idea of mail-in voting and and the corruption and the controversy that it's gonna that it's gonna inevitably stir up at the end of this election.
5: Look, my wife and I were talking about this. Unfortunately. Democrats have had years and years of practice of knowing how to cheat, and this shows that Republicans really don't know how to cheat very well. You know, Democrats give homeless people cigarettes and sandwiches and all kind of inducements to to vote. You know, putting out fake uh, drop boxes out, I mean, that's like blatant. Cheating and disregard of the law. We gotta, we gotta take some notes from the Democrats on how to cheat an election. I like that This taking, is not a good way of. of I like doing that you're
4: it. that you're taking uh, responsibility well, for the and Republican to, Party. I'm taking, and, and to
1: clear it up yes. for
5: the listeners,
1: it was it's the <laughs> California Republican Party that was accused yes, of putting yes. this out yes. there. So, yes. so that's. Good job, Chris. I'm
4: owning it. We've got to take a quick break, but we've got more to go. We're going to talk to our buddy, Dr. Ed Ernstrom, when we get back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Da, 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 da. Yeah, welcome back to the Weekend Report 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here with Frank Ladd and Chris Arps. And if you have missed anything on today's show, it has been a packed one. Make sure you download our podcast. You can get our podcast, just about anywhere you get podcasts, but I always recommend the radio.com app. We talked to Burgess Owens, we talked to Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller, we talked to Dr. Randy Tobler, and now we are talking to Dr. Ed Ernstrom, my chiropractor, one of the great supporters of this radio station, and uh, someone who has been an absolute uh, uh, game changer in my life, and uh, my struggle with back pain, and uh, uh, just pain management in general. So it's always great to talk to Doc. Uh, How's it going, Dr. Ernstrom? hey john it's glad to hear from you man yeah you bet so you know i always tell people anybody that's heard me talk about you um you know they they know that anybody that's listening to me for any amount of time knows my long history with back pain for me it's lower back pain that usually happens in the morning i can't get out of bed i can't straighten up when i wake up and also my migraine headaches and how much you have helped me with that pain taken away a lot of it and and my biggest message to people is don't wait until you can't stand up straight when you're getting out of bed. Uh, don't wait until you're suffering from a terrible migraine headache or or an injury somewhere else in your body has uh, has become debilitating for you. Um, prevent all that happening by by going out and 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 seeing you, seeing Dr. Ed on a regular basis. Um, and I just think that pain prevention is such a, a is something that people don't don't realize they wait. They wait too long. They wait until they're hurting before they come out and see you. Would you agree with that?
8: So, yeah. So what you were just describing is, you know, people are being very retroactive instead of being proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're waiting until it's already been a problem instead of getting ahead of it before it becomes one. Um it's uh, it's one of those things that I think that we have in all healthcare, not just with pain, but um, other things like uh, heart disease and COVID and all these yeah. other stuff that is out there that's kind of leading uh, everybody's narrative on health. But when it comes to being in pain, um, I imagine a lot of people that um, are supposed to be in an office right now, sitting in a desk that was ergonomically fit to them by their HR department and everything. Now they're sitting at home on a couch, on a laptop, or a table, a countertop in their kitchen, and it's not ergonomically set up and it's a laptop so their computer screen's not at eye level and they're looking down and all of a sudden they have these new aches and pains that they didn't have seven, eight, nine months ago before they had to stay home all this time. Such a great point. And so I don't know we haven't even had that conversation before. Yeah. Um but it's one of those deals where uh, a lot of times, people are dealing with these pains, and they just think, "Oh, once we get back to the office, these will go away." Well, guess what? You're still living through it right now.
4: Right, and you know, and, and <laughs> part of that being proactive is having the knowledge, uh, just having the the education, having the knowledge of knowing. What I'm doing with my body, what I'm putting in my body, what I'm, uh, you know, the way I'm living is in, in, you know, being able to use that knowledge in in preventing your pain. And you not only, of course, have the practice, but you also have 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 started up a lot of uh, on YouTube and a lot of you could get a lot of this education on how to prevent pain and how to live in a way that you're going to be able to help your body process your injuries and things like that. So um, tell people about the about the new YouTube venture that you're on. So yeah, so I've been
8: doing this for almost a month now. This is my fourth week that um, I've been thinking about how to get my message out a little bit more broader. I used to do Facebook Live um, videos with hashtag Hawaiian Shirt Fridays. But now I've really gotten to this new series that is get motivated, get moving, and get metabolic, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And then uh, just recently, in the last couple weeks I, or last two weeks, I've been doing on Tuesdays uh, a hashtag that I really w- wish that would get off the ground. It's called IFNSTL, which means uh, intermittent fasting in St. Louis. Anyway, so the whole concept behind getting be, doing all these things is that. You know, a lot of people just need to know why they need to get up and do things or to be more successful with Mondays. And then getting moving on Wednesdays has a lot more to do with the chiropractic and rehab and exercise-based types of things. Uh, get, Like you said, being proactive and learning how to do these habits that can keep them out of pain. And then Fridays, uh, I've really done something for myself in the last two years that has helped me lose up to 45 pounds in total fat and um, I'm trying to share all of these habits and knowledge that I've learned over these last two years with anybody that's willing to listen.
4: And and I just want to be a quick anecdote on my own personal life. People that, again, you know, that have listened to me for a long time know that I did the keto, the Atkins thing, and I had great success with it, lost uh, probably about 50 pounds and have been able to keep it off. But then uh, in talking with you, Dr. Ed, I learned about another way to kind of also supplement that keto uh, situation. You just mentioned the intermittent fasting and something that I've been doing for probably almost a year now, where I do uh, 18 hours a day where I don't eat and six hour window that I do eat and I and I use this intermittent fasting and it's like it's like jump starting the already the, the success that I already had with the keto and I and, and I'm able to even uh, have more cheat days and and live a little bit you know you, you know have a little more fun. With my diet than I was able to do with the with the keto because the intermittent fasting works so well. So I learned that from you, and I'm walking proof about how effective that really is.
8: So yeah, the big concept that I'm really my biggest motivation is that um, I have a feeling that I have a calling for our community, and that's why I chose your platform to to talk about this because you have such a great reach into our community. And how it doesn't matter if you're white, black, Mexican, nobody's genetically damaged mm. to be predisposed to heart disease, diabetes, cancers, and that there's a way that we can use our own, how we use our habits to get those ways of being sick, that we can reverse and actually chase back that unhealth and bring us back to health. Yeah, absolutely.
4: And so, while we have just a couple minutes left, help pe- tell people how they can um, how they can find you on YouTube. What's the channel to go to? Uh, the different days again, one more time, and then uh, and then and then and we'll we'll have a minute after that. and I want to talk a little bit more about the chiropractic stuff. But if people sure, want to watch you sure, on YouTube, sure, yeah. how do, how can they do it?
8: Yeah. So the YouTube channel is Ernststrom Spinal Rehab, uh, was my last name and the business my business name. Uh, Ernstrom Spinal Rehab on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, um, hit the notification bell so you can get updates anytime I add new, new content on there. But I also share the same videos onto my Facebook pages uh, and Instagram pages as well on Earnstrom Spinal Rehab, or you can find me at, at Earnstrom DC on Facebook. And then um, my website is I'mYourCairo.com, and my office phone number is 636- seven seven eight two zero seven five.
4: Yeah, and I cannot recommend Dr. Ed enough if you are in pain or you are, you know, like we said, just want to prevent those things from happening between the Aspen laser system. I love the Aspen laser system. It's been so helpful for my back, obviously the chiropractic adjustments, rock tape products, all of that stuff. Um, really gives you a, a, a perfect way to combat pain and prevent pain. And if you want to talk a little bit maybe about the, that Aspen laser system and the few seconds that we have left yeah. here, um, I think that's a yeah, so, really um,
8: great tool. You touched on basis on the entire profile of what I do in my office, and I enjoy and appreciate that I don't, I'm not just a one-trick pony. Absolutely. And that when you come to my office, I'm going to use the best tools that are going to help you get to the best results and fastest results. Now, this laser that you brought up, the Aspen laser, is it's huge. Um, the Cardinals have a few of these in their training room, and so do the Blues. And Mizzou has a whole suite with these same lasers dedicated to their athletes. Mm. Now, the whole concept behind the laser is that it reduces inflammation, which reduces pain. It sparks and stimulates the energy production inside the cells that need to be healing and gets them working two to three times faster on healing. I mean, just recently, I've... You know, people coming into my office with splints with some bone fractures in the wrist, I got them out of their splints and wrists about two to four times, uh, two to four weeks, anywhere from two to four weeks sooner than the orthopedist anticipated. And uh, as long as it's not permanently casted, I can do stuff like that. But muscle strains, sprains, fractures, wound healing, um, general pains, aches, um, pre surgery, post surgery. The laser is great for all that stuff.
4: I cannot recommend it enough. You go check him out. Ernstrom Spinal Rehab on YouTube. I'm your Cairo.com to check out the website. Dr. Ed, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk to you again soon. Tony, appreciate you as always. You bet. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of The Weekend Report. For Frank Ladd, our producer, and my co-host, Chris Harps, I'm Tony Colombo. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back here next week on 97.1 FM Talk.